So we are here today to discuss whether rope access belongs in the fire service. Uh, I am Kelly Byrne. I am a instructor with CMC Rescue. We've also got some fellow instructors here. We've got Wayne Chapman. Wayne, say hello so everybody knows your voice. Hi, guys. That's Wayne Chapman. We got Doug McElmurray. Doug, give us a, a nice Midwest hello. Hello. All right, very uh, accent heavy in the uh, squeaky cheese. Leroy, uh, going to be similar. To let everybody uh, uh, hear your voice. There's, there's Leroy. Yeah, so. you, you, you betcha, don't you know? That's that's uh, we've, we've hit all the idioms. Well, I think we're good on the uh, the Midwest stuff. Cool. So today's topic is: Does rope access belong in the fire service? So. Uh, rope rescue has generally been the purview of the fire service, at least on the East Coast where I'm from. Um, most fire departments have some interest in uh, rope rescue. I know out West, uh, a lot of the search and rescue falls under the sheriff's department, but the rope specific stuff falls under the fire department. I'm not messing that up too bad, am I, Wayne? You're nope, a West you're Coast correct. guy. You're correct. <laughs> All right, cool. So if you're listening to the podcast, you probably know what rope access is. But uh, if you don't, if you've never heard of it before, uh, Basically, rope access is a means of getting somewhere to perform work. The North American agency that you know governs it, I suppose, would be the Society of Professional Rope Access Technicians. Uh, there's a whole certification track for that. Uh, you can look that up on their website, but but in general, it's just you know individuals moving about on rope to, to perform work. So really, the the question is, uh, does that kind of uh, rope work belong in the fire service? We'll go uh, around the circle here and see what everybody has to say and uh, try and uh, find out what we think about it. Wayne, what do you think? Uh, rope access in the fire service? Yes or no? You know, um, this is one of those topics that's been discussed a lot. Uh, I'm not convinced that the skills necessarily are. I understand the argument of being able to do uh, individual, you know, work, descent, ascent, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, 33 years in the fire service, I never came across a scenario where those skills uh, were needed. Again, at Southern California, uh, but at the same time, I guess you could say I could be convinced by some people that say, "Hey, there is a need." Um, whether it be sprat, because I don't really know that somebody can attain and maintain those hours annually, uh, but certainly some of the skill sets, uh, I guess I could be persuaded uh, right now. I, I just, uh, I just don't know, honestly, if it's, if it's something that uh, we need. My right, fair point. I'm, uh, I'm definitely biased in favor of it. I'll explain my points at the end, but uh, hopefully I can change at least your mind by the end of it. So Doug, what's your, uh, what's your take on it? Does rope access belong in the fire service? Yes or no? I think components of it of it does. Uh, just look at simple little things like uh, rad or uppercut ascending compared to tr traditional ascending methods. And I'm not saying to ascend like you would in a rope access rope, but just to go up a couple of feet if you overshoot on a rappel uh, pickoff or something, I think is very useful and much more user-friendly than a traditional like alpine or leapfrog style uh, of ascending. Uh but that being said, I don't. I, I think there's definitely components of that that we can uh, plagiarize blatantly uh, for rope rescue. But I don't think Sprat is a replacement for rescue. No, I, I totally agree. I don't think it's a replacement for rescue. I do think the components uh, 
of it could be involved. And I think, you know, a wholesale switching to rope access instead of rope rescue is, is not the answer. But but you're right. I, th- I think components uh, could be. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll give my opinion in a second. We'll we'll let Leroy uh, give his uh, pitch. Uh, yay or nay, Leroy. What do you think? Rope access in the fire service or no? Well, I um Man, I have thought about this. You have no idea how much I've thought about this. I think as a wholesale thing, the answer would be no. Um, But I think I agree with both you and Doug that there are parts that would be useful. Um, And some of the techniques, if we modified them more to essentially uh, a slight modification to what we would typically do in a rescue, which would simplify things in the long run, I think would be easier. Um, so yes, parts, but as a wholesale thing, the answer would be no. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I think I'm pretty on board with that. I, I look at it as just another way of advancing your skills. You know, I, I asked a buddy, uh, this question, you know, does rope access belong in the fire service? And his, uh, analogy was like driving a manual shift car. Like it, at first you're just focused on, you know, getting the, the gas just right, letting out the clutch just right. Are you in first gear, third gear? You know, you're, you're worried about your, you know, five foot view rather than what's actually going on around you. And just being comfortable on rope allows you to look a little more outward than, than it does, uh, you know, when you're not that comfortable on rope. So, you know, looking at your average rope rescue class, you know, how long are you actually hanging in a harness, like on rope in a harness, you know, maybe an hour tops, maybe more, maybe less, I guess, depending on the class. I think the average rope access class, I mean, 20 to 30 hours you're in your harness. That's a pretty big, you know, leap in time in a harness and on rope. And it, it just, I think it develops a more comfortable rescuer. I don't think a Sprat certification is the answer. I don't think it's a bad thing either. If a department has the money to do it, you know, I would do it. Like you have to recertify every three years and people would have a long, you know, hard time leveling up, but just to maintain some professional standard and something to aspire to, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I would I would agree with that from the standpoint of confidence and the standpoint of a standpoint when I, I guess I look at rope at, at sprat or rope access in general as more of an educational thing for firefighters or technical rescuers to know what's going on out in the world. Um, obviously it's gaining popularity in the US it still lags incredibly behind Europe. Yes. Yeah. There, I mean, I, I think, uh, well, I saw a rescue recently on YouTube. that was, you know, with, uh, on an aerial ladder of all things. Uh, if you know my thoughts on that, uh, but <laughs> they were, you know, they were doing some rope access style, uh, techniques on the end of an aerial ladder to go get a you know, tractor trailer over the side. And it was, I mean, it was the lowest amount of force uh, on the aerial. And these guys were just, you know, killing it, getting up and down rope, super comfortable. It was, it was a super clean, uh, rescue, uh, I think one interesting thing to note, like the fire service is always stolen from other fields. You know, we've, uh, you know, the repelling and ascending we have done up until this point, you know, with the figure eights and the brake bar racks is straight out of the caving world. Um, 
And I just think that that the, if that work is going on, you know, there's workers at height, uh, you know, cell towers and antennas. It's only getting more prevalent. You know, we're just going to come across those incidents more. And I think being comfortable, uh, able to operate in that world than in your traditional firefighting world is will become more important as time goes on. Again, maybe not a wholesale, you know, getting away from traditional rope rescue, but uh, I definitely think components of rope access will be uh, coming into the forefront as, as uh, you know, as time goes on. So uh, that, that's my take on it. I, I think we're, we're not too, too far apart. Uh, here's a point I had, and I, whoever wants to take this one can. I, I, I'll, I'll make this declarative statement, uh, whether I believe it or not, it's another thing, but we'll, we'll go with it. I think it's disingenuous to teach somebody to rappel down a rope without teaching them to ascend. Like, how do you teach rappelling without teaching ascending? Like, you, that's giving somebody a car with a drive but no reverse. Like, just make three left turns. You'll be you'll be fine. You can turn yeah, right no. that way. Kelly, Kelly, I think that that's great. I mean, you you read old old books, and it says be prepared to come up any rope you go down. So, I, like I said, I agree that being able to ascend. Uh, is a good skill. In fact, you know, it's an NFPA 1006. It's something that's required of, sure. uh, of a technical rescue at the technician level now in the newest 1006. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I do agree with that statement. Absolutely. Cool. Doug, what do you think on that? Well, I, I'd go one step further. Not only do you need to know how to ascend, you actually need to need, you need to be able to get yourself out of a problem. If you can't rescue yourself, you really don't have any business trying to rescue somebody else. You know, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah, I've, I've been on a couple incidents where we've just let people hang out who've put themselves in a bad spot. Like, man, eh, we'll, we'll get to you when it's over, you know, just because they couldn't uh, get themselves out of a problem. Leroy, what, what do you what do you think about that? Uh, repelling, but no ascending. What do you, I, th- I think they go hand in hand. You? I, I think that in a way they go hand in hand, but I'll even go a step further that I don't have a problem putting a guy and I will use the car over example, right? <clears throat> so the car over example is I get a guy down to do some triage, um, figure out what's going on, all that kind of stuff. And I lower my rescuers in my, my guys that are going to be doing their, whether it be BLS or ALS, make it up. It doesn't really matter. Sure. But at that point, whether or not I need a guy to ascend, if I've got a system in place, Hey man, I'm a fat kid from the Midwest. Okay. You have yeah. a system in place. You can pull me up just as well as I can get myself up. And if it takes cycling the system one more time, to me, that just winds up being a logical decision. Or the in a car over scenario, you send down one litter tender short and sure. you bring everybody back at one time. Yeah, f- fair enough. I, I mean, that's, uh, you know, definitely traditional rescue based. And, and there's, you know, I think that's probably the best option uh, uh, in that case. So, no, I I, I agree with all that. Um, you know, we had an incident uh, relatively recently where I work. A guy was stuck up. Uh, oh, geez. I mean, he was 130 feet up a 800 foot tower. Like it's a pretty massive structure. And uh, he was cold and, you know, couldn't come down or, or didn't want to come down, I guess. But uh, the, the plan A was aerial ladder all the way. Let's I mean, let's move dumpsters and, you know, drag cars out of the way in order to stick the aerial ladder up because they were darn sure it was going to reach. And then, 
man, it was like 30 feet short. You know, it's, it's hard to gauge scale on a 800 foot tower. Uh, I was watching it, you know, go down on the television, you know, from home and, uh, I'm definitely rope access influenced. You know, I've, I've got that training and my, my plan a was to do a, you know, a climb up one of the legs, traverse around aid climb style and descend down to the guy. And our, you know, where I work just does not have that mentality, not because we don't want to, but just because they've never seen it. And I think that's, you know, might be some of the problem. Hopefully this podcast will open it up to people to, to investigate further. But I think there are some skills that are pretty transferable. Uh, some not so much, but some definitely are. And I, I think if we'd have just had the context of how to operate in a rope access style rescue, that we might have been able to solve that problem a little bit better. Uh, in so much as the, uh, you know, our guys did not have a concept of fall arrest and work positioning. Like we, we don't divvy up rope rescue systems that way. You know, our main and belay are not a, we don't think of it as a, we think of it as a main and a belay or twin tension, whatever, but we, we don't think of it as work positioning and fall arrest. And we need that, you know, whether we're up a tower or hanging on rope, that, that that's what, you know, two points are actually doing. So we gave our guy fall arrest. Like if, if this guy would have fallen off the tower, if he'd have peeled off, he would not have hit the ground, but like he couldn't work. Like he just, he was stuck up there. So, um, do you guys in your departments, have you ever taught anything similar to, you know, work positioning and fall arrest? I mean, those are two very rope access centric terms. Is that, did you guys do that or, or not? I mean, it's pretty new concept, I guess, fire service wise. Wayne? Uh, no, we did not in Southern California. Um, again, when I was on the job, the idea of a fireman getting a SPRAT class was kind of unheard of. Um <clears throat> It's, it's, it's obviously come a little bit more sexy in the last few years, but no, we did not. Um, it was pretty much traditional, either top-down rescue or tower rescue. Right? Yeah. That's, kind of put them in those two boxes, if you will. Yeah. Again, I, I think a lot of places are, are doing it probably very similar to that. Uh, Doug, you guys, any, uh, any look at uh, work positioning and fall arrest as, you know, a separate way of looking at the, the world, you know, height-wise? We did some very basic, you know, like escape lock type things, you know, like twin tension sure. escape locks, things like that, you know, where we got above them, but not formal, you know, fall arrest type training. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Leroy, what about you? Yeah, actually, we were broaching that subject uh, right before I retired and talking to the guys that are there. Um, it is something that, I mean, we had to do some modified type of things on because Waukesha is an industrial city. Right. Um, you, we had no choice. Vertical was easy, obviously. But when sure. you start moving that horizontal motion, yeah, will get your attention. You know, walking out on an I-beam you know, or walking out on a, on a steel truss yeah, is a bit of a different animal than walking or climbing something vertical. So, um, I know that it is something that they have acquired equipment to be able to, to do those things, um, where they're at with their training since I left. Um, I, you know, the guy that you would need to talk to as well as I do. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, who, who runs the team now? So, um, I know that he's asked me a bunch of questions over time. Um, he picks up a bunch of things from talking to guys like Matt and, um, 
Matt W. And um, talking to you um, and um, just kind of seeing what other departments are doing for those type of applications. <clears throat> sure. Hey, hey, Kelly, Kelly I, I do have something to add to that, um, if you don't yeah, mind. Sure. I just no. um, – in Southern California, we had several amusement parks. One was in our uh, our response area, and we did um, do we'll call it modified horizontal aid climbing, giving it a set and protection. So we would go up the center structure, out oh I can't remember 30, 40 feet, setting protection, basically change direction pulley at the top, then and then lower down to pick two people out of seats. Sure. Uh, the ride became so hazardous that it was uh, removed from the amusement park and moved to the Midwest. It was no longer right, in California. So, and I see it every time I go to Kansas City. So somebody else's problem at that point, right? It is somebody else's <laughs> problem. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, that's that's uh, that's dipping a toe in the water of rope access. That's, I mean, horizontal aid climb is, uh, you know, that's that's not fire department centric. You know, that that's, that's definitely uh, getting closer to it. And, and again, you know, that's... Uh, you know, a, a wholesale uh, switching is not probably not the answer, but I I do think, boy, I think if people looked at the skills and and even just the outline of the, uh, you know, like a Sprat rope access class, you know, how the training goes and you know what skills you're required to know and at what level, I I, th- I think there's something uh, positive to be taken from that. Um, again, I'm totally biased. You know, I've, I've I've been doing rope access for, uh, I guess nine or 10 years now. So I'm, I'm definitely into it. I've, you know, the department I work at, I've kind of not pushed us into rope access, but we, we definitely do probably more rope access skills than, uh, most other departments. We've got a couple classes coming up. We're, you know, ascending, descending, ascending past knots, uh, doing some, you know, work position and, you know, fall arrest, you know, Y lanyards and Grion type of stuff. Um, only because we, you know, we had a tremendous problem on this, uh, this tower rescue we ran It just, nobody had the, the training or even the knowledge to, to attack it. So, um, you know, what my plan a was, was not an aerial tower. You know, we were definitely, you know, hung up on that. I, I wanted to climb, I wanted to climb and traverse and come down. But if, if you don't have that concept, you just, you just don't have it. So I, I don't, uh, I don't blame the guys. I think we just, we just need better training in that. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of fire departments do react, right? They, they never would consider this a particular problem. Then it happens and they go, well, Hey, traditional rescue is not going to fix this problem. We need to look at alternatives. No, you're right. And, and I always, uh, I always equate it with um, like a wildland fireman in an urban setting. You know, if you if you pointed a wildland fireman at a you know a high rise fire at the you know twentieth floor and say like, well man, why why can't you do that? You're a fireman. That's fire. Like go get it. So and that was kind of similar to the to, you know it's a totally different you know uh, concept, obviously. But I think rope rescue is the same way. Like you know you're rope rescue trained. That guy needs rope. Like you know. Come on, go get him. What's up? So I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's not the same, even though it might look the same uh, on the surface. So um, that's, uh, yeah, it, that's definitely an interesting point. I, I I would hope, you know, hopefully in the future I can do some more convincing of uh, of you, Wayne, about uh, whether rope access is needed. I, I mean, on the on the back end of things, I'm definitely, uh, you know, always pushing for that for for us. All so. right. No, I would agree. And I hope I wasn't, uh, I didn't misstate earlier. I do believe, like Doug said, some of the skills 
are definitely applicable. Um, I just don't know, you know, at, at what point does it become, you know, you're paying, you're spending too much time on that and not practicing your bread and butter skills that most fire departments are going to come across. Are you talking rope wise or just in general? Rope wise. Yeah. I mean, okay. obviously both. I mean, but this, this podcast is just strictly about rope. Definitely. I, I, uh, I think at work I get accused of, uh, you know, playing with rope too much, but, uh, I, I think the, the learning point and the physics, uh, involved in all of that tr- translates so well into so many other things. And quite frankly, nobody cares about trench and building collapse. So the, uh, <laughs> that, uh, no, I, I do get accused of it, but, uh, and, and there's a ton of merit in it, but I, I like it. And, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned there. And again, from all fields, and I, I, I think rope access is one of those fields. But yeah, wholesale switching to rope access, not the answer. Like it, it's not the answer. But I, I do one other interesting thing, point. I, I do think it's nice to be able to act aggressively. And I think rope access skills allow you to get yourself in position quicker and more aggressively than a, I don't know if traditional fire response is the right word, but the ability to get where you need to go quickly is, is a pretty awesome skill set to have. Um, and the, the point I'll, or whatever the example I'll give, I guess, is if you look at some of the Grimp teams from the, the Grimp North America, you know, a, a fire-based rope access team, you know, did, you know, they all did pretty well. They're all the fire department rope access based teams kind of, kind of did a, a good job. Any, any thoughts on that? You know, as, as it relates to like Grimp, I think that was a, a cool highlight of how that, that went when you were super involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had a, uh, a, a how to on day one and I had several people tell me had it would not been for that how to, they would have not completed that station. So I think, uh, so those skills were definitely shown to some people who are kind of like, hey, I never even thought about this. Sure. Not, not cool. Uh, Doug, uh, Leroy, did you guys see anything at uh, Grimp that stood out to you, rope access and fire service-wise? You first. <laughs> I see that grin. I know where you're going. I think I, I know where you're going with um, this. Did we step in a big pile were, of it? Um, no, 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 no. There were, there were some things that, uh, and Doug and I, fought together not too long ago and we discussed this in particular um there were a few things that literally scared the crap out of me that were going on at my station yeah um the the initial part of the problem everybody solved actually very well um and uh, except for the team that tapped out like Halfway through, they said, we're never going to get done. So they just tapped out, which is what, was it? what, what station uh, were you on? I was on the bow problem. Okay. So it was like a confined spacey rope problem. Yeah. Yeah. It was a confined space problem. Two rescuers in package a victim, bring them up, take the victim offline. Um, and it was with the vortex as an artificial high directional. Yeah. Um, then package a dummy in a litter and take them from the bow of the ship to the dock. Okay. So, so a a two part problem. Um, and depending on how you solved it, it was either very straightforward or if there were some groups, there was a couple of groups that thought very creatively, um, and thought solved and did what I would refer to as solve the problem backwards. 
In other words, the guy's got to get to the dock, which means I've got to have X to get him across this waterway. Then I've got to get him out of the hole and all the other things. So they split the vortex into two components, you know, gin pole sideways A. Um, they, they solved it very creatively. Other groups did a more traditional, this is a confined space, solve that portion of the problem first, then we reposition, rebuild, all that kind of stuff. And the groups that thought forward um, or solved the problem backwards typically did a little bit better with a couple of exceptions who were the rope access teams who scared the crap out of me um, because other than one, none of the European teams do, do confined space. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's definitely uh, uh, oh, access teams. I should say, <clears throat> no, I gotcha. I, boy, I'd, I'd have put money on doing it. Uh, the simple solution uh, coming from the rope access guys. I, I think fire departments tend to overthink it, mine included. Uh, but to know what you can do with one guy or two guys doing a, uh, you know, affecting a rescue, you know, I, I would have thought the simple would have come from the rope access guys. I was definitely on another problem on the boat at that time. But uh, no, that, that's. That's interesting. Again, that confined space-wise, I imagine if they've got no context in how to operate there, that would probably scare the crap out of me too. So, yeah, well, that wasn't where the problems were. The problems were getting them from the bow of the ship to the shore. Oh, that, that's interesting. I, like, uh, I wish there was more video of that. Like, I would have, <laughs> uh, I would have liked to see that. <laughs> I think most people would. So, yeah, there were there were a couple where it was like. Oh, this is not going to end well. This is this is just going to be bad. And I would have. Let me put it to you this way: I would have loved to have either a dyno or an enforcer in the system. Um, just knowing how lines got tensioned and all that kind of stuff, I'd love to have had them in because I know that they were running the ragged edge of oh my garage. Oh, no kidding. Hey, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Heck, well, Grimp 2022, Grimp NA 2022, is that the next one? Any thoughts? We can we can do it there, you know? 2023, am I, am I uh, stepping in another big pile of it? So, uh, it all depends on COVID, right? The, uh, sorry, sorry. the next Grimp, uh, when, uh, the next Grimp NA, well, uh, maybe we can put some load cells in there just, just for the heck of it. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see uh, how close to the Ragged Edge teams are are actually running. Well, if I could chime in, because, yeah, I had a, a different problem. So I was over in the wing void at Grimp and saw some things kind of the same way that scared me, but for a very different reason. Um, and we had... Uh, in my flight, we had five different teams with five very different approaches on how to solve the problem. Uh, some successful, some not. And actually, yeah. we had successful using rope access-based techniques and some successful using traditional techniques. Um, the, the traditional techniques, due to the nature of the problem, were much more effective in that particular issue, in that particular uh, site, because there was both horizontal and vertical uh, voids to go through, and there were some offsets in between. Oh, it, 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 interesting. My, my my scenario was that you know I had the high deck where teams had to ascend, you know, whatever it was, a hundred feet, and get a victim down, and you know I, that one obviously was. Uh, you know, favored the rope access teams. Like if you could get up and down a rope uh, quickly, like you, you were winning the game with that one. Um, a lot of it did have to do with 
I mean, just good pre-planning though, too. Like it, it was not, uh, it was more straightforward than it presented. My, my problem was it, it looked, it looked a lot harder than it was. And people that didn't take the time to think through the whole problem definitely got hemmed up, be it rope access or, or traditional. So, um, but the actual techniques, uh, you know, ascending five people up a hundred and some feet to the top like that, that was, uh, obviously favored, uh, uh, the rope access crowd, but but it, um, it, it seemed like when they tried to adapt, some of these teams tried to adapt the rope access techniques. It's kind of like, you know, if you're only if you're only solution, if your only tool is a hammer, you know, you need to make all problems look like a nail kind of thing. And they had some difficulty, you know, negotiating just with the huge racks of equipment that they normally carry in a rope access thing going through very, very small elliptical hatches. So sure. uh, and then ascending, you know, ascending in confined spaces didn't really work out as good as just simple four to one mechanical advantages you know ironically some of the teams that failed using rope access techniques were hauled out you know at the end using simple four to ones so that's it well no that definitely something to be said for that and and again because confined space is you know more a fire department purview and not not always a rope access thing uh yeah, I can imagine it probably worked better. I've never tried ascending in a confined space like that would. I'm a big boy, anyways. I don't know that uh, having any extra junk on my harness and plus me would, would fit through there either. But um, and then two, it's so a lot of the rope access techniques are very equipment based rather than you know we're uh, the U.S. is pretty prussic friendly and internationally you know rope access is you know very seldom do you see a prussic and kind of along the same lines as Leroy, I, I saw a couple of things with tooth descenders and hall systems that that made me cringe and the only reason that it it was successful is the sheer lack of haulers on the system they were limiting they were limited how much force they could put on it sure i'm sure they did that on purpose though (laughs) (laughs) i mean mean, we all got to give them the got to give everybody the benefit of the doubt there but um Awesome. I mean, I, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. Does rope access belong in the fire service? Yeah, probably some of the techniques do. Again, it's just like most of the other stuff, you know, uh, that the fire department borrows from a bunch of different fields and, you know, adopts to their own. Um, you know, I'd, is a certification track necessary? Nah, pr- prob- probably not for most fire departments. But, uh, I, boy, a class and the skills uh, in that class, I definitely think tend to open up people's eyes just as a different way to view the world of rope. So, um, you know, hopefully people uh, took something from this uh, podcast and will, you know, at, at least go, you know, try some rope access skills, try challenging yourself, try ascending and descending past a knot. You know, if you've got a you know, figure eight descender and prussics for your department, try and work through the problem that way. If you're, you know, fortunate enough to have a chest descender, handle descender and an ID or, you know, clutch or whatever, try it that way. Um, they, they're, they're interesting skills. Look at the skill sheets and try them out. So there, and there's loads of stuff on YouTube with great people, you know, showing some of those different skills. So highly recommended Wayne, any closing thoughts or, uh, we, uh, you good to go? No, like I said, I think, uh, overall, I do agree that some of the skills have a place and I do agree that, uh, it's worth the guys that take the time be proactive and at least learn some of the basic stuff. Like you said, if you go down a rope, you'll get back up. 
Yeah. Heck yeah. Doug, closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head with, you know, the fire service is, fa- is famous for plagiarizing things. And we'd be foolish if we don't take advantage of learning, not, you know, from the rope access people, arborists and other people that, that, that function daily on rope. There's good lessons to be learned across the board. Totally agreed. Interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in real quick with the uh, the guys on rope. There was a um, tree care industry climbing competition in uh, where I work uh, a couple of years ago, and I asked the guys at the firehouse, like, "Hey, you want to go? You know, watch these guys climb rope." They're like, "What are we six years old? We want to watch guys climb rope in trees?" No. But so I, I'm the driver, so I drove them there anyways, and uh, totally amazed at how fast these guys could operate on rope. Like, they're, they're, and you know, similar to what you said, Doug, we were, and uh, Wayne as well. Like, we were able to learn from them. Like those guys are ultra proficient you know we well i'll never get there we'll never get there as a department but it's certainly neat to know what's out there leroy closing thoughts uh really no i think that uh, everything has been said uh, to kind of tie into your comment they had a competition in madison i think it was a couple of years ago in uh, state capitol here <clears throat> did a competition uh similar type of thing with the arborists and um they brought the fire department, they brought Madison's hurt team out there the day of or the day before the competition and said, hey, how would you guys solve this problem? And a friend of mine was there. He was he was competing. And um, I said, so let me let me fill in the blanks. They said they're going to send a guy up, man and belay, climb up with a ladder or whatever. And he goes, yeah, how'd you know that? I go, spent 27 years in the fire department. Trust me. I know how they're going to solve the problem. I know at least and, one of your guys said cut the tree down, though, right? Well, oh, there Don't was actually <laughs> more than one that said in Madison, especially because they're like, oh, we'll just cut the tree down and go home. You know, it's simple solutions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> easiest solution. You got a bunch of truck guys. You know, oh, what do you expect? Exactly. Um, you need that chainsaw for a reason. Um, but he, he made the same comment. He said, I think that for them, it was a huge learning moment. Yep. Because they would solve that problem differently. You know, a guy in the tree and a guy on the ground would sure. solve that problem completely differently than yeah. anybody else would. So, Agreed. And probably neither one of them are wrong for their, you know, chosen uh, profession. So, Right. It, right. Which, which is cool. And, and I think we can learn from all that. So, uh, boy, I, I think, you know, the consensus is that some of the skills transfer. You know, certification might not be the best track. But, again, we're, you know firemen uh, in the fire service we're probably going to borrow uh, quite a bit and and i think we should i think rope access is another one again the rope geeks are going to borrow more than the non-rope geeks but uh, hopefully we'll just keep uh, moving the ball forward um awesome so uh for wayne doug and leroy and myself kelly Byrne, we are uh, i think we've hashed out does rope access belong in the fire service and we're interested to hear your thoughts and comments thanks guys